to deal with it. Oh, people, it's about that time. It is that time. It is, because Milk pressed the button. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. Oh, God, I need that muted on my side. All right, here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to the Barcast, where the bar gets lower every week. Your bartenders for this evening. Your bartenders for this evening will be a non-pencil. I don't even care anymore. Go fuck yourself. Enigmatic Otaku. Dead. <laughs> actually <laughs> muted. Actually muted now. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually it muted. is a notable oh improvement. <laughs> <laughs> Technical Milk. <laughs> I'm not dead. Can we just do Slam. the whole thing like this? I've got full blown a ravage. Hey, and of course, we have a wonderful guest with us this week. You may know him as Mr. Numbers, because that's what he's called. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what the what fuck kind of fucking reason was that? <laughs> you <guys> fucking... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just waiting for you to do this properly. <laughs> Turn the book right. around. Right. The legend, Mr. Numbers! Yeah, okay, I'll accept that. Hey, guys. Nice <laughs> 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 Oh, Scotch. <sighs> for those who are tuning in for the first time, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let me redo that. For those who are tuning in for the first time, welcome to the Barcast. This is a user-submitted podcast where you ask for the guests, and then we get them, and then you ask them questions, and we make them miserable for two hours. Um, we are also streaming live on oh, Twitch right no, now. no, 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 no. I'm not trapped in here in a room with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think that. Um... We're also streaming live on Twitch, so if you guys have any questions in the Twitch chat, go ahead and submit them to us, and we will forward them to Mr. Numbers. Uh, Pencil, are there any examples of questions that we won't ask for Mr. Numbers? About politics, don't ask about religion, don't ask about his age, and for the love of God, don't talk like lots of legitimate political shit about Australia, because I'll personally cut you if he doesn't. Just gonna say. So, I mate, let's jump straight into the oh questions. No, 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 no. Fucking, I'm not here to fuck spiders, mate. Don't. don't. <laughs> Spider fucking? What? <laughs> have you not played Undertale? Did I? Oh, I have. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't connect. Even a world where Muffet exists, you can't really act shot. No, no, like, I just thought that was, like, a fetish or something, but I didn't even connect it to Muffet. It's definitely a fetish. It is absolutely a fetish. Spider-fucking is a fetish. Alright. I love the legitimate panic in Pencil's voice there. She's, <laughs> she knows. Yeah, I do. Question number one. Shoot. Numbers, who are you and what have you done for the fandom? Uh... Well, going going big right up here. Um, I'm Mr. Numbers, and I wrote a bunch of stuff. And some of it's good, and some of it's not good, but some people have arguments over which is which. Fair enough. 
Number two. How'd you get into the fandom? Um, stumbled in because I thought this is dumb. This is really, really dumb. And so I watched an episode and I was like, yeah, this is really dumb. And then I watched the second episode, episode two, and I thought, wow, this is, why am I still watching it? And then 11 episodes later in the same sitting, I was drunkenly singing winter wrap up to myself and I've kind of been stuck here since. And I think that was back in 2011. Wow. Yeah, episode 12 had just come out, so I've basically been here for as long as there's been a here. No, I, I feel you. I've been here since uh, Over a Barrel. I don't remember what episode that was, though. Anyway, mm. uh, what's your favorite part about the fandom? The online community, fanfics, cons, music? Well, they don't really get many cons around here that I've been able to get to because Australia is a hell continent in the middle of nowhere. Um, for instance, it is actually summer here now, uh, in defiance of all natural laws. Um, so I guess it's, it's mostly the literature that I still connect to. I really liked the music scene whilst there still was one, but I don't think that's been true since 2013. All right. If there's one thing you could say to your followers or your fans or your haters, what would it be? Why are you paying any attention to me? What are you doing? <laughs> what decisions have led you here? What decisions have led me here? What are we doing? <laughs> Christ! <laughs> Alright. Now it's time to break all the rules. <clears throat> We're going to ask you a political question. This is going to be dramatic. We're going to lose friendships. Alright. Here we go. I'm prepped. I'm ready. Who is Beth Pony? <sighs> so that depends on how you define best, doesn't it? Because I suppose. There's, there's, there's who do you most admire, who do you most like, and who's the most fun to write? And there are three different answers to that, uh, which is Pinky, Rarity, and Twilight. Um, all of which have one of those categories depending on which day it is, honestly. <laughs> Pinky is exceptionally fun to write. Rarity is exceptionally fun to write. Twilight is probably the character I most relate to. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a three-way tie. Basically, I would like to have all three of them at once is what I'm saying here. And I'm sure oh, no, I can totally, you know, foursomes are awesome, clearly. Well, you had to make it sexual, didn't you? I was being pure and innocent. What the fuck is wrong with you, priest? Everything. Everything is wrong with him. We know this. Jesus Christ. You had to go there. Of course. Look, you know what? It's fine. Next question. Priest dead. Are we all dead? Is everyone else dead except for you and me? Holy shit. I'm still here. Oh, I think it's a service split. Yeah, because uh, I'm not hearing Flamin either. Either. Uh, no, I'm right here. Well, uh, there you go. Well, I think you answered that question uh, pretty well. So I think the next question that you need to be asked is by Tony Montana. Isn't that right? Yes. Yes. Right. Okay, okay, the next one is, what is your favorite number, Mr. Numbers? <clears throat> um, I like pie. 
I, I just happen to like Pi. I know it's a bit irrational of me to say that, but I do, in fact, Shut love 3.14159235879265358. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. That's that's nice. pretty amazing. And by proud, I mean ashamed, but also proud. Uh, so uh, this I probably answers the next question for, uh, as well. If you're Mr. Numbers, can you do my maths homework for me? Uh, no. I'm. I mean, I, I probably could, but I really don't want to. <laughs> I do an arts degree now for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Question. You'll like this. Math turning people gay. Amazing. So, Mr. Numbers, have you ever talked dirty to Aragon in Spanish? Um he's he's given me fantastic rants in Spanish. Um <laughs> and there were definitely sexual undertones to them, but I think they were more violent aggressive sexual undertones. Um like go fuck yourself in very specific ways with niche gardening equipment. Uh, I don't think they were erotic, no. Oh, could, well, what if you said oh. them erotically? Like, what if, even though it was, like, horrible, what if you said it erotically? Uh, no, but that does actually give me one of my favorite. Okay, so he's taught me um, a new Catalan expression, which I really like. I'm going to butcher it. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this correctly. A fallen tots a la pula al riu. Uh, which is a really badly butchered way to say in Catalan, either we all fuck or we throw the whore in the river, which is a very common, common, uh, common idiom in Catalan, um, in Spain, for I'm taking my ball and going home. That's actually a very great phrase. Goddamn. Either we all fuck or the whore goes in the river. That's amazing. <laughs> True That's words really throughout time. Inappropriate. I love it. <laughs> and it's only gay if the lyrical balls touch. <laughs> well, what if the whore is a man whore? What if the whore is a man whore? Well, if the I mean, whore is a trap, he's already gay as hell. So. No, I didn't even say. I didn't even say trap. What if this, like these men are just hard gay? Hard. Gay. I don't think. <laughs> I think equal rights mean they still go in the river, right? Yes. Okay, okay, yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. So equal rights, even if it's a, a hard gay man, <coughs> he goes in the river. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, what is your favorite part about writing? Oh, God. I, I, having a favorite part means there's any point of it that I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is you like the ending when you're done. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess posting it, honestly, I guess getting reactions and getting feedback and actually having an audience that isn't me. Um, because the thing is, I love being a writer, but the writing itself is, is work. And I treat it very much with a very business oriented, very professional mindset, which is to say that I'm so focused on doing it right and doing it well, that I'm not having fun doing it. And that's, fine i'm i'm completely okay with that but i think it's um weird to ask me what my favorite part is because it's not i'm treating it like a craft rather than a hobby is essentially it mm. so your favorite part is the vagina vagina what vagina I would, I would say trying to have sex with my work would result in some really nasty paper cuts so i haven't attempted it yet 
Yet. Yet is the key word here. I recommend it. It's it's worth giving a shot at some point. Oh, I'll, I'll take I'll take your word for it. Okay. I'll take uh, well, that under advisement. What is your least favorite part of writing? The writing. <laughs> Actually <laughs> having to sit down and do writing. it. Yeah. Well, that's... I'm surprised you... Do you prefer the editing to the writing, then? Ooh. No, you know what? I'm going to say editing's worse. I'm definitely going to... Because I'm definitely worse at it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I have trouble with the editing. And I'm good at editing, but I don't even fucking care. The editing makes me want to tear my own teeth out. Well, the thing about editing is largely that I feel like it's um, self-reflection. Like, you have to look at it and you have to see all the ways you fucked up. And it's just go, oh, fuck that up. Oh, fuck that up. Oh, I'm a real fuck up there. What the fuck was I thinking? How am I this stupid? What did I... Why did I do that? And it's it's having to... It's essentially banging your head against a wall repeatedly. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's even worse when you've written drunk and you're trying to edit when you're sober the next day. <laughs> like, because you're like, what I mean, did that's, I that's say thing, here? What... what do these consonants mean? These aren't words! <laughs> that's, what, uh, that's what Hemingway said, isn't it? Uh, write drunk, edit sober. A oh, man yeah. who hated his own writing so much he shot himself. Ah. Beautiful <laughs> advice. Yeah, well, write drunk, edit sober. Never edit. I mean... Never edit drunk. Trust me. <laughs> well, I mean, how bad is it, too, when you're sitting there and you're writing a story and then you, the whole thing is playing out in your head. You go back to edit it, and you realize, oh, damn, I left out all this stuff that I meant to put in between here. This makes no sense without this. And so then you got to go in and you got to respace everything and put in what you meant to put in, and then try and work it in there so that it actually fits with everything else. See, I don't usually get that because I have a lot of, uh, I, I, I put a lot of planning into stuff. I, I write an entire framework. I write entire scenes lists. I write, uh, I write a beat sheet uh, is what it's called mm. in um, script writing. So I don't actually have that problem because that's all been so hammered out before I've written word one on the page. Um, the pro like a lot of people say that write, that can make writing less um, organic or less fun. And they're right. Um, like, uh, a, a really strong advocate of, um, pantsing, of not doing any planning, of seeing where the work takes you is Stephen King. And Stephen King is really interesting to me, is I think he's a very pinnacle example of the difference between good planning and good pantsing. Because Stephen King writes really engaging thrillers where you never know what's going to happen next because he doesn't know what's going to happen next. Um, and I think the problem with that is because he doesn't plan... All these characters are the same in every book, and his endings always suck. <laughs> so you're always going to be like, you, re you see stuff like that, and it can be really, really engaging. But, and I think that's, um, that's, not, that's not a style that I try to go for, so I, I, I plan the ever-loving shit out of everything because I prefer that kind of methodology. And so because of that, I don't get those problems. Now, we could talk about Stephen King for fucking ever because I love him and he makes me really angry and upset. <laughs> because he loves to stick to his bases. Like, he's like, ah, here's this thing I really, really like having. It, and I'm going to write about it. Who has powers was bullied? Cool. That's what we're doing today. Every time. Anyway. And it's always, always in Derry, Maine. 
always in Derry, Maine. <laughs> about people who set shit in Maine that's supernatural. I mean, I'm going to just gesture at Lovecraft and walk away. Yeah. Uh, but his long novels, he kind of, because he's doing so much discovery writing, he gets lost a little bit along the way. And you had the sense exactly. he walked into an empty room and went, why was I here again? And just said, fuck it, and did something anyway, because he forgot why he came here. I think there's a good idea of uh, mixing discovery writing with having a basic direction to go in, and I think King doesn't always excel at that. that which is why I would argue his short stories are far better than his long novels, and I will fight someone if they want to fight I, No, I, Four Past Midnight is the best book he's ever written. Because it's just an anthology of his best short stories. Because when he has just has a short story, he can't afford to do those moments where you, he looks in the fridge and goes, "What was I eating again?" Close yeah. it, walking back to the living room. Come back when it's just when when it's just the strength of his ideas. It doesn't. The rest doesn't really matter. And the thing is, you notice in his books, the longer it goes on, the more his characters fall into established archetypes, like the stupid, angry liberal arts student, um, which he has in every single book. Um, or the religious Bible thumper idiot, which he has in every single book. Um, yeah. So when he just, when it's just the idea and he just has a short story, he's a fantastic writer. But as soon as you try to get, and, and again, that's why I use him as a really good example of why pantsing can create really, really strong works, but also the fact that I don't believe Stephen King has ever written a truly quotable line that wasn't in turn him quoting someone else. Like, or hilarious, it's... accidentally hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hold on. Let's look at The Shining for a second. Let's take a step back. Shining is quotable as fuck. It's one of I his that I actually haven't read. I've only seen the movie. Oh, read it. Read it. It's got so much more weird sex shit. Do it. <laughs> well, I've heard I, a lot I of people quote it. things from The Shining, and quite often, too, and I'm like, what's that from? And they're like, The Shining. And I'm like, oh, okay, I need to go watch it again. Watch it, read it, all of the above. It's worth doing. Don't watch the made-for-TV movie that he did about it. It was hilariously bad. Um, <laughs> we should move on. Otherwise, we'll talk about Stephen King forever. And actually, the next question vaguely relates to this, which is, are there any, are there any story ideas that you absolutely loved, but you weren't sure hmm. you could pull off? Any story ideas that I absolutely loved, and then I didn't catch that last bit? That you weren't sure you could pull off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's two. Uh, there's the story idea that became Aragon's um, um, Evil is Easy, um, which is that I originally tried to write a story that was completely Aragon-esque in Aragon style that was uh, going to be a present for him, which was that um, Raven follows Celestia, like um, the, the Celestia's assistant follows her for a day, and just watches all the stupid shit Celestia does, and none of it makes sense. And then it all bizarrely Rube Goldbergs at the end to solve every problem. Um, and I couldn't make it work. I couldn't for a second make it work because I had all the ideas and all the elements, but I couldn't connect them well enough and I couldn't make the scenes flow. And I gave that to Aragorn. I said, here's the entire framework. Here's every piece that I've worked out. Um, uh, there's a diplomatic transgression, there's a gunpowder blot in the basement, there's blah, blah, blah. And he went, cool, let's see what I can do with this. And then he tried to do it and he got absolutely stumped and he couldn't write it with that framework. Uh, and then he immediately went, hang on, what if I make this really pulpy and also Celestia is a supervillain now? <clears throat> and 
suddenly it works. Suddenly it pops. It's, it's daring do. It's pulp, and everything that was basically that original framework just flowed because of it. And I think that's really interesting because it was my attempt to work like Aragon. But the thing is, I can't because only Aragon can Aragon. Um, mm. The other one I had was one that I've had since season two that I've I've loved for a long time, but I've never sat down and wrote, which is that the firm, incredible belief that Celestia's throne is on a fountain. And that's always seemed weird to me. Like, if you look at the opening and whenever you get an aerial view, there is just this weird fountain that goes through every single part of the throne under and underneath it. And I personally believe two things. One, it is obviously the fountain of youth. Why else would uh, Celestia be sitting on it? And two, like her that. throne is a bidet. Yes, I love it. 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 I would write that's this. That's actually not. That's actually pretty this. good. I would write this. So uh, yeah, that's that's the true secret to Celestia's immortality. A uh, basically useful holy water up the ass. I want to write this. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's an idea I've had for the longest time, but I've never been able to sit down and just go, "How do I make this work?" No, because no, I, I just it's just it's so straightforward. Oh my god, it's so that's right. One that's the thing. Great. The idea itself is so pure, and there's no story or scene I can attribute to it that is. That doesn't dilute the idea. I got one. I got it for you. I got it for you. Hold on, hold on. I know what the title is. I know what the title is. It's called oh, the God. Royal Flush. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's your plot. They call in a plumber because it's broken. You can't so, break the fountain. I can you. do that. No, <laughs> no but you could. You could break the plumbing of it though. Like Luna tries to sit on it, then she just breaks it accidentally, <laughs> and then she has to try and and she has to try and fix it before Celestia finds out. See, I would write that. I would write that. It'd be so fucking easy. I could do that. And it's, it's even worse because she always teased Celestia for eating too much cake and being like the thicker one. In reality, she fucking breaks the shit. There would be so much fun. Well, her ass is made of dark matter. That's yeah. That's, there you go. Uh, anyway, anyway, I. <laughs> The next question is we've taken too much time on this wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, any story ideas you hated at first, but then grew on you? Uh, of mine? Or just in general? Because uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head, I'm afraid. Oh, you always like an idea from just square one, which is fine. Yeah, the thing is, if I can't, if I don't like an idea, I don't write it because I've got the thing is I have way, way, way more ideas than I have time to write or the discipline to sit down and do it. So ideas are easy and also probably the least important part of writing because so much of it is more executional planning and know how to make, knowing how to make things work. So if I don't like an idea, I don't sit down to work it out because I've got too many other ideas that I do enjoy that I could make work. Likewise, reading, there is very little that I would read if it's an idea that I don't like, because why would I sit down and read an idea that I don't like? Um, so no, I can't think of anything. That's fair. By the way, Mr. Members, can I write this? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to write it. Okay. <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it that much. I really am excited about this. This is, yes, this need. Anyhow, uh, random two eighty four has questions for you, and starts with, "Hi, Mr. Numbers. I kind of know who you are, which means I don't know you, like at all. So tell me a bit about yourself or something." 
Uh, I did an RCL interview. I did a Royal Cancellate Library interview, which is pretty damn comprehensive. So I'd, I'd suggest that. I'd suggest looking that up. It's very entertaining. It has lots of footnotes. Yay. And when did you first start writing at all? Not just pony, but in general. Uh, well, my mother was an um, English teacher, actually. So she encouraged me to read and write by a very, very early age. I was writing uh, in primary school. I think I had my first poem published in primary school, actually. Um, but I didn't start seriously doing prose writing until high school, until about, um, uh, until I was about 16, 17. Um, actually around that time I got a, I got a job for, um, a local, um, game studio. I did all the, um, their jokes for achievement names and titles and stuff. Um, I was actually there to learn how to animate at the time, um, because this was back when, uh, my motor skills weren't fucked up and I could actually animate. Uh, and, and I did an apprenticeship there for that. Uh, but the re but they, they screwed, completely screwed me over over the apprenticeship. And what they were doing was they were taking my writing during my lunch breaks and stuff. And the, so none of the animation I was actually hired to do there made it in the game, but all of my writing and jokes did, uh, and I didn't oh. get credited for it. But that's, I mean, like that made me so pissed off for the longest time until what I realized was, hang on, that means my writing is my actual saleable marketable talent. Sweet. That's kind of what I wanted to do more anyway. And so that's kind of how I figured out what I wanted to do and followed that instead. So I'm, I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm grateful for having that stolen from me because that was the most sincere compliment I could have. So I have a question and it's just, I, I have to hear you say it because I think I'm mishearing it, but it's wonderful. Can you say writing for me? Writing? Say it in a sentence. Uh, this is writing in a sentence. <gasps> it does sound like you're saying writing every time you say it. It's not my imagination. <laughs> okay. Oh God, I'm gonna be really self-conscious about that. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's well no it's wonderful like when you say it it's, it's it's very fluid and flowing and i was just like is that the way it's normally said or am i insane i feel better than i'm not insane it's lovely okay i will take your word for it and you thought you're gonna make me uncomfortable <laughs> anyway <laughs> so if you had to recommend one story which would you recommend and why so this is this is interesting. So if you haven't seen my um, my Facebook, uh, if you haven't seen my Fimfic profile, uh, I've got two main categories of stories, uh, and the two and those two titles are so you can laugh and so I can laugh. <laughs> um, uh, so from those, if if we're doing the so you can laugh, I would probably put Passion and Reason, uh, uh, my 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 recent Twinkie story uh, at the top of that list. Um, but if you want something much longer and a lot more effort put into it and is actually okay. a proper novel, I would say uh, The Man Who Once Lived on the Moon. Which uh, Horizon uh, called or tied for the best pony fic of 2016, I believe. Damn, way to go, Ooh. kid. Sounds pretty cool. Um, to add on to that, if you could give a single piece of writing advice to new writers, what would it be? Um, this one's actually really easy because I have to, um, give it a lot, which is essentially 
so I've got I've got I've got one blog series I, I call um, the hazardous materials and the hazardous materials is essentially um, the ones that they're the subject matter that every new writer, every new storyteller goes towards, because this is what you'll also see every uh, high, high school film student go towards. And it's basically rape, drugs, suicide, abortion, and depression. Like, that is basically what everyone's first story ends up being about in some way. And my suggestion is, don't. Don't. A lot of the stuff that you see that you really like that has that is super powerful because the authors that follow them know how to handle them in a mature way and have had a lot of experience dealing with it. But when you don't have that, that stuff blows up more in your face because it's really powerful and volatile and you don't have the training to learn how to handle that. And whilst that's a really appealing draw to learn how to do storytelling, you're more likely to mess up and get really bad reactions first time out. You're a lot better off doing very simple ideas and trying to do them very well. I prefer, I, I would say, low concept stuff that isn't, um, that's really, really simple. Like, how would Fluttershy handle being hit on in a bar? Or um, mm -hmm. what does Twilight do when she's bored at a train station and doesn't have a book on her and has to kill time and is so bored, but she, it's there is not enough time to go and get a book or something to do? She just, she is stuck here in this mental purgatory. Stuff like that. Because the stuff like that, that is very short, is stuff that you can finish. And finishing is the most important thing when you're starting out. Like being able to finish your story and look at it in its totality. Being able to write an ending is the hardest and most important thing to actually learning and improving. Um, so just keep doing stuff like that and building your knowledge from doing stuff like that. Do short stuff, do simple stuff, do character pieces, finish it. And that would be my advice. Uh, I'm with you on one specific thing. Uh, something that I was told when I was learning, which is, is a great piece of advice, is starting out, start simple and make it complex. Do not make get do not start complex and try to make it simple because you need to learn how to do the simple stuff first. Hmm. Like it's it's super important to know how to take a simple concept and expand it rather than take a really really expansive concept and boil it down. So. Well, that's 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 what I was saying earlier too, which is that um, the ideas are pretty much the least important. What it is is purely executional. Like that's that's it. Like a lot, like a lot of new writers overvalue how big ideas are and concepts are. When the truth is, people don't learning to make people care about what your ideas are is a more important skill than having the ideas themselves. Yes. And it's and if you have a very simple idea, making people care about it or making it interesting is a lot more beneficial to you to practice. It's a much more important skill. It's a much more interesting skill, and it makes you be able to think about writing and what you're reading. And I would even say your interpersonal skills would improve a lot more from it. I uh, definitely agree with you on that. So. Cool. Uh, I'm trying to read this question. You'll have to give me a second. Sorry. What no do worries. you often do that you are the most proud of? It can be anything, even just making sandwiches. Right. <laughs> There's an answer I really want to say, but shouldn't. Do it! So the thing is, I'm kind of a bouncer for the writing help chat in some ways and in various groups and in situations where it's just like if 
because I don't really observe social etiquette much. Um, and I get very angry at perceived injustices and people's lack of self-awareness. Um, and especially coming out of uh, the film industry here in Australia, uh, I've learned that a lot of people don't want to do anything that would risk their position but get horribly abused for it. So because of that, I typically get designated the um, angry, angry scapegoat. So what I've kind of perfected is not caring about putting myself in bad situations on behalf of other people and being very, very, very good at making my point in destroying someone's self-esteem when it is needed. Um, I understand. But yeah, so I'm, I'm very, very good at looking at people and going, why are you a problem and what needs to be solved? which is probably not something that someone should be proud of, but it's benefit. It's probably the people that has benefited are the people I truly care about. And the people that has been a detriment to other people. I, I don't. See, I'm, I'm on a similar side of that coin yet again, except for me, I don't look at people and go, you are a problem. I should try to fix you. I say, you are a problem. I'm going to drop you off at the next bus stop with bus fare and say bye. No, I'm, 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 I'm more, and here's why you should step out in front of that bus, please. <laughs> Me after, I, like, as I drive by, scream obscenities back at them and tell them why should they should hate themselves. But if they do, they do step in front of buses. That's fine. I'm not there. Not my responsibility. Well, I, th I think my favorite, I think my favorite example of this to justify why I do this is that if you Googled Mithril Moth on film fiction for the <laughs> longest Sorry. time, what would come up would be the horse news page of me tearing into him so hard they made a horse news article dedicated to me tearing into Mithril Moth. I because remember. The argument, I remember. What happened? The argument itself was Mithril Moth not understanding consent or misogyny and believing that sex should be a currency to, you know, pay for relationships or men being nice to women, that if a guy is nice to a girl, she has the social obligation to fuck him. Uh, and it devolved into a rant of me and Obsidian um, uh, uh, or Oblivion 2K, Oblivion 2K, um, basically just demolishing him for views that are very, very toxic to society that he was putting into a very public story. Yep. Mm. Yep. I mean, I, I, I write some really toxic shit in, my, shit in my stories, but I hope you guys all, well, I, I hope, I know Flam knows. I know Rav knows. I hope the rest of you know. I don't actually, like, really condone anything I put in my stories. So, yeah. Well, the large thing is you understand that you don't condone it, and he was trying to stand behind it, and no. that was my problem. No, like, I, I don't. Um, because we, we want to not get too dramatic, obviously. <laughs> Let's move on to a question that has, like, no drama possibilities whatsoever, which is which episode of MLP do you hate that most others like, and vice versa? Oh... I'm going to say, I'm, okay, I don't actually hate it, but one that's bugged me for the longest time has been um, Super Cider Squeezy, the Super Cider Squeezy episode, which has the best musical number, I think. Um, but I think they flubbed the moral on that pretty hard. Yeah, I uh, didn't learn anything. Yeah, I didn't learn, I didn't learn anything. I was right along. When the, the story that's, that, that's really interesting to be told there would have been like the Flim Flam Brothers buy the apples, apples, and the right to sell cider there, and then the apples supply the apples. Um, and 
I really hate I really hate that uh, the 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 condensing down to a lot of stories that um, industrialization is bad, and it's something that I approach a lot in uh, Moonfic actually, which is that the industrialization can be really detrimental to an old way of life, but it's also kind of a necessary evil, and it does kind of benefit a lot of people like. So the, the okay, so so part of the premise of the super um, cider squeezy was just that, that they would buy the apples from another town for cheap and then come back and sell the cider and like that wouldn't really work. Like they like where is the nearest apple supplier and why wouldn't they just buy those apples and sell it in that town? If they're just doing it to be spiteful to the apples, that's really bad market economy and you know, fuck them. But um they're gonna spend more on transportation than they are making a profit. Yeah, how many barrels of apples can they really haul behind that car when they've got the plantation <laughs> there? It makes more sense for everyone involved to just work together. And the lesson isn't that they learn to work together. The lesson is that, oh, the apples temporarily called on all their friends for slave labor, outproduced them, forced them to compromise on quality whilst they somehow managed to pull through without doing the same thing um, for reasons. Um, I thought it was very. I thought it was very confused. I thought it was very... I thought it was a very messy plot that tried to say too many things and didn't really have a consistent enough message. So it kind of, it had very strong scenes, but it didn't have a good follow through. Um, I actually, I actually feel the same way about, um, uh, I, I feel more coherently at the same way about um, the Twilight's castle episode where the end of it is, it turns out they, dangled the tree roots from the ceiling and filled oh, it with photos. Oh, that, that, the episode in which everyone is literally just dumb as rocks. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so it's, so the problem I have with that is that it is the laziest written episode I've seen in a long time uh, because it gave everyone an idiot ball, which wasn't interesting. Like, they played out the dumbest, least interesting aspects of every character. Like it was bad illogical fan fiction to make the story work writing. It was, this is just a kid's show, so it doesn't really matter writing, which isn't strictly true. I mean, do your job with pride. Um, the second one was the resolution wasn't foreshadowed or built upon in any way. I've watched through that episode again, and at no point did they really consistently build up the idea that like the pictures or memories are going to be an interesting way to resolve it. Um, and so because of that, it feels like a deus ex. It feels like a complete arsehole, because it is. Um, when really all they needed to do was seed that idea more, and that would have worked a lot more. But it seemed, but it really felt like at the 18, 19 minute mark, it's just like, right, we've done all the dumb character moments. We've got to wrap this up. How do we end this? This is a nice capstone. Cool. Call it a day. Send it to the animators. Um, so yeah, that, that that was really distressing to me from a screenwriting point of view because it was a formula that didn't actually follow the formula or have any ideas for why the script should work. Like it was very much, it was a Mad Libs of a Pony episode without actually doing any of the deeper work to make a story. And that stressed me out. Um a story, uh, what is an episode that I don't like that I think other people should? Um, well, what's I like that other people don't, sorry. Yeah, and um, then we should move on because we're spending a lot of time on these questions and I've realized we have so many more!
Well, Discord decided to just literally kill everything, apparently. Um, <coughs> right. Great, 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 great. Well, time to turn on Skype. Oh, Lord. Do I have a priest number? Let's see if I can get a priest on the phone. Priest, that one. Call. Oh, where's speaker? There he is. No, oh, it didn't work. Uh, we in there? Discord just came back. Can hear us and Yay. everything. There we go. I feel like I should say. All right, hey, milk. We all, we all good? We are, are we on? Are we on? Can they hear us? Can people hear us? Oh, it was yeah. a matter of freaking time. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. You guys can be heard. Can, can, okay. God, you guys can are... Can hear me? Composite. You are swimming in composite. Yes, I can hear you. Are Discord, we, I, we're I checked, alive again. I, I checked Discord and their Twitter. It, I, ch I checked the Twitter and Discord is getting restarted. That's why. That <sighs> makes sense. But... Uh, so what was, worst, what was worst character? Jerry. So uh, Aaron and I have, have had a long, long series of conversations with him, which is he is the perfectly, most specifically crafted, least sympathetic, least likable character ever designed. And he's brilliant like that. He is, he is crafted and tailored from the bottom up to not even possibly be accidentally likable in any way. And, and it's absolutely beautiful i absolutely um advise watching rick and morty from um if you have any interest in storytelling as seeing it as a guide to executional storytelling where you take really dumb or weird or silly ideas and you make them work from the strength of the nuances and subtleties like everything they do is so tailored to convey an idea and it's well con convey a tone or authorial intent um so yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting that Jerry is my favorite worst character because he's he's made to be. I've never seen anyone so absolutely disgustingly unlikable. It's great. All right. Hey. We're on hey. most relatable now, right? Yeah. Can I finish up this lot of questions, Priest? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, what is most relatable character? I like Spider Jerusalem from a comic called Transmetropolitan. Yay, go look it up. Fuck, Mary kill. Any letter, any number, and a punctuation mark. Pass. Pass? You're not going to fuck, marry, or kill a letter, a number, or a punctuation mark? Here's the thing. I've looked through these questions, and there are more fuck, marry, kills to come. I'm yep, saving so. myself with that one. So the answer is kill yourself, which is always an option here on the broadcast. Don't actually kill yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Truthfully. Good. Yeah. Uh, cookies. Because we're not going to get, like, is there anything you hate about the My Little Penny fandom? And I'm going to guess a lot. Uh, no, honestly. Um, I can hate individuals in it, but that's true of any large group of people. I don't think there's any problem that I have with the fandom itself. I think it's honestly a really great, fantastic, welcoming place full of great, welcoming people. It's probably the best large community I've ever been in. So, gay guys. Yay. Uh, wait, way to be nice. Yeah, you're. I thought you were gonna be mean. You're just all like, you're a big sweet hug box today. 
Well, you've been asking me a lot of writing questions, which has kind of shunted me into the professional mindset. So that's great. It's great. It's making me feel really chill and zen. And I think it's this really good, strong tea I've got with me. My Assam. Give it time. Assam, got it. Anyway, so... <laughs> See, that was a, a more of... natural joke to make about it. That is... That's that's much better than what we were going with before. Sorry, you were saying before I cut you off. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, enjoy the rest of the podcast. We're on to questions from Lee Claire, and I will turn it over to Priest because he gets to talk for a little while. How's that sound? Yay! Okay, now we have a question from Lisa Claire. How do you always manage to be available? Uh, narcolepsy? I, I don't actually have a sleep schedule or a body clock or anything. So I, I, kind, of I, I kind of have continental drift. All right, uh, next question. What new advice would you give to readers and writers? Oh, I've already covered this one. All right, then moving on. What has been your greatest challenge? Uh, getting out of bed in the morning. Aw, okay. I feel that. <laughs> yes, we're back in time, so I don't have to be the one screaming. I'm so excited. Okay, now it's time for that other other guy. <laughs> who says... <clears throat> God damn it, why is real life so hard? I'm trying to end this fucking skit, but I never get around to it. I'm probably just gonna end up writing about licking squirrels' asses clean in two months because of how shitty I am. Fuck! The question was, why is real life so hard? Um. So here's the thing. What we like about stories is that they make sense. There's a reason everything happens, and we can understand those reasons, and there is a greater purpose to everything. Real life doesn't have any of that. The difference between real life and storytelling is that storytelling has to make sense. Real life is fucked. I could have said it better myself. No, that was, that's fucking beautiful. Real life is fucked as we deal with this communication shenanigans i mean a former reality tv show with a uh, host with dementia and who has had to settle out of court over cases of pedophilia is now president of the united states hey uh, what is the rule oh no, pol no oh. politics moving on moving on god damn okay fair enough but i mean why that doesn't make sense but we it's true and we just kind of have to deal with that. Why were you under Aragon's window yesterday? I saw that blog post. This is super meta. I have a clear alibi. I was on a different continent. <laughs> sure. And last but not least, from that other other guy, is there a Mrs. Number? There is not. Ooh. Ooh he's on. available, but Aragon will kill you. All right. Now we have a question from Short Skirts and Explosions. Who asks, what doth life? Madam, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Madam, madam, don't hurt me. I love it. Yeah, there's so what? many little things that you do that's adorable. RK Striker JK5 now has questions. What is your favorite non-MLP franchise? Oh, flip. Um, what? Franchise makes it hard. Um, Mr. Oh. Dover's for adorable. 
Just saying. <laughs> Actually, yeah, no, I'm, I'm wearing his shirt at the moment. I'm going to say the YouTuber Many a True Nerd. Um, I used to I used to do a thing for him. Actually, I, I I was so dedicated that I picked up that his favorite word to say was good. And he would, whenever he got excited, he would go good, good, good. Uh, and he's a really adorable British man. So that was absolutely fantastic to me. So for a few years, I ran something called the good count, which is that I counted every single time he said good in his videos and made elaborate graphs and charts to show how many of them he said per minute over years and entire series. So yeah, I'm going to say many a true nerd. All right. Yeah, uh, I know him. He, he did that. Go ahead. The next question is, done any content for a non-MLP franchise? Uh, um, sorry? Have I done any content for a non-MLP franchise? Correct. Uh, no, um, because there hasn't actually been any websites or communities as welcoming or open or as excellently run as uh, Pony is. So when I don't write, it's usually original fiction or original screenplays. All right. Favorite non-MLP song? Pale. White moonshine down on Colorado. What the hide my dirty secrets down uh, here in the shadows where the quaking aspen tremble in the snow. Haul me up the hillside, hold me high and let me go. Let me fall right through my own roof like a meteorite. Let the world and all its wonders leave me to my toys tonight and my 96-inch television screen. Let me die, let me die, surrounded by machines. Uh, surrounded by the mountain goats on the album Moon Colony Bloodbath, which I've listened to every night for three years. That was great, and I'm going to need a link to this later on. Fucking nice! Love it! Last but not least from RK Striker JK5 is not a question, but I love the mayor who once lived on the moon. Uh, now we have questions from Margin Seiko. Oh, fucking Margin. Get mm. sure. Let's get this over with. Aw. What's your biggest pet peeve among writing and writers? Oh, um. Flip. Um. Okay, the, it's it's the abstraction, it's the mystification, it's the thought of putting writing with a big capital W uh, as, as like this, this art form, this purity, like you should never dissuade people from ideas, that it's a passion. It's, no, writing is work. It's, it's yes! a trade. It's not a magical alchemical reaction where ideas are spun into gold. It's grunting and fumbling and smashing backspace keys and shredded drafts. And writing is work. And writing needs to be seen as work. It's rewarding work worth doing and worth doing well but it's not this magic thing that elevates you above anything um actually this is this is a conversation i've had i've had a lot with uh chuck finley uh which is that um what, what, what he said that's that's really interesting to me is that um a, a few years ago what i really valued like was intelligence i thought if i was a little bit smarter i would be able to do this and we've both realized that as as, as it gets to this point it's just like Intelligence stops mattering. 
we've both reached a point where we agree we are smart enough. What is harder is being able to just sit down and force yourself to do things. That is the more valuable skill, and that should be seen as the more valuable asset, the ability to actually just sit down and do the damn work. Uh, so, yeah, that would be my biggest pet peeve about writing and writers. Nice. Bra fucking Vo. No, bra fucking Vo. I, yeah, writing is work. Anyone who says writing is not work can suck a dick. It's, it's hard. It's, it's work. It's true. You can't just fucking sit down and be like, oh, Nani Raimo, here's a novel. It, it's not that simple. F- fucking hate Nani Raimo for so a, a lot of reasons. Oh, thank God. In which professional writers complained about Nani Raimo. Sorry. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Where did your name come from? From Dr. Disco. I actually think I answered this last time I was on the cast. Um, I was part of a group for um, a game called Evil Genius, which I modded heavily uh, as a joke. Uh, I listed my uh, profile name as my student number at the time, 19126, to make the joke that I was another just faceless minion, like a little henchman, uh, except that a lot of people just started calling me Numbers as a shorthand. Uh, and I ended up liking the name Mr. Numbers more than I liked the gag, so I've kept it with every other community I've been to since. All right, Disco then continues. Is 42 really the meaning of life? No, but the real one would astonish you. Where do most of your story ideas hail from? Or how do you come up with ideas? And what is your writing process? Uh, yell at Aragon. Um, honestly, yes, I've, <laughs> I've, 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 he's, he's, he's my excellent rubber duck. Honestly, the um, ideas are the least important part of writing. I think uh, I've already talked about my, my, my preference for low concept and being able to execute. So I will say that um, um, uh when me and Aragon both get stuck, what it comes down to is my favorite part of our relationship is we go, other person, I'm stuck with this thing. What, okay, what my problem is, is that I need the scene to convey this. And what I'm currently doing is this, but it's not working because of this. And oh shit, I figured it out by saying it to you. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> so that's, 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 our, that's both our writing process. We figure out exa- exactly what the problem is by yelling what's stuffed up to the other person to figure it out, and they don't even say anything. But they, it's just yelling at them is what gets us both to figure out our stories, and it seems to have worked very well for the past three so years. I, I feel that. I've done the same thing to Pencil, where I'm like, oh, I hate this part of Office Love. What if I – oh, wait, that's what I should do. Mm-hmm. It works. It does. The difference is that I don't go out and then write it. You guys do. <laughs> oh. Anyway, moving on. Uh, who is your waifu is the next question. Uh, Crystal Wishes, Scarlet Weather, and Aragon all shared top spot as my equal maximum of affection here. Oh. I might have to fight you for Crystal. That? I'll actually, like, I'll, I'll drop gloves she... with you. Hmm? That's my dad or is you're hitting on right there. Crystal I think Crystal is a nice dad. person. I don't think Crystal would want us to fight. I think that's what's or- going to keep me from it. Orgy, go. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all good with the. I'm all good with the fuck pal. You all good with the fuck pal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Next door. I'm, I'm glad this. Sort- I'm, I'm glad we sorted this emphatically peacefully. Yeah. I mean, it's what we do here. I mean, you got to negotiate. Uh, what is the Enigma, you gotta jump in on this shit. Say words. I was gonna say, like, all in favor of the orgy, say aye. 
kink. No, you can't come. You weren't invited. Correct. What is the best and worst story you've read as well as written? Subjectively, not actually. Uh, it annoys me that people say like objective criticisms uh, anyway, or object because so much of writing should be seen as subjective, and subjective isn't a dirty word. Subjective is important because it different. Just read basic communication theory and stop trying to get your ideas of debate purely from STEM fields, please. Um, but best best story, I'd say throw a dart at Terry Pratchett's library, and I'll probably agree with whatever it hits. Um, worst. I'd rather not answer. I'd rather not answer. I'm doing so well with not being a font of negativity at the moment. Um, so my stories. I mean, you can choose to believe that's what I said there. I think that okay. says a lot more about you than me, so I'm okay with that. Okay, got it. <laughs> that was way funnier for me than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, we're just like, good job, Chris. Good job. All right. Let's see. Uh, we'll go to the final question from Disco. You are stuck in a computer, and all you can do is communicate with bits and bytes. Luckily for you, Twilight Sparkle can understand code. What can you possibly say, through your limited range of communication, that could convince Twilight that you are really a sapient human being stuck inside the programming of a mana computer and not some AI hell bent on bringing Judgment Day as soon as they get their body back? So this is halfway between the Chinese room problem and the Turing test. So what I've got to say is something that I believe that no, nothing in this situation would say in this. Um, so I would say, please send nudes in the worst, most broken fuckboy English I could do. P-L-Z-S-N-D-N-O-O-D-Z. All right. I mean, uh, I think uh, it would work. Uh, I wouldn't be convinced because there's that machine that was, you know, infected by 4chan. I think what was that AI? I forgot that uh, chat oh, thing. The, oh, AI, I forgot K -A -I. about that. Yeah, I forgot uh, yeah, about that. Shit. That Shit. That goes. That throws my entire plane out the window, doesn't it? Yeah. Like it. It only proves that we can teach computers memes. I mean, I wouldn't trust any AI that just go there. That's political. Mm. Moving on. Okay. okay. Yeah. That covers all well, the questions I... from Dr. Disco. Mm -hmm. Oh. Uh, so then we are halfway through the cast. So who am I going to pick on this week? Uh, uh, but but who? Why, why are we picking on people? Because there's a thing that we do. But I've been singing it, remember? Oh. Yes, go for it, Pencil. Um, but question, do we want to give Discord a shot, boys? It's your guys' call. I'm pretty happy where we're at. It's working. The sound quality is not great. Okay, let's go. Okay, so while you guys transfer over... I don't know. So let's, we, we, let's go to Discord! Woo! Discord party or something. Let's, okay. let's go to Discord. Yes, we've moved. Today. Can I talk now? Yes. Sweet. All right. I'm connected again. Hello. Welcome. Oh, that's and a very Pencil's nice here. picture. Pencil links that I didn't see until now. Yay. Happy to help. Thanks a lot. 
Hey, anyway, so what were we doing? Oh, that's right. I'm going to put down my fuck's sake, guys. And speak. Oh, if you guys don't know, has a Patreon. And we don't use it to drink, surprisingly, to support horses. And we have a horse. His name is Big Mac. I'm not kidding. He gets our money. Here's a post for it in the chat. So if you want to support the Barcast, go to the Barcast Patreon and let us give money to horses so they don't die. He's a pretty old guy and he lives in Central California and he's really nice. And there's pictures of him and he's going to write us a letter. I don't know how, but it's happening. If you don't want to give us money, you can also just go to the group, which is on. You can click it and become a part of it and ask questions next time. Other than that, just have fun watching and get drunk with us because it's worth it. Big Mac is a pretty cool guy. He doesn't afraid of anything. Nice. We did it. All right. Now, we we're, we're not we even halfway. Things. We're not even halfway through the questions, so we're going we're gonna to go. Uh, we have questions now from Crystal Witches. So, hi, waifu. Crystal then says, "Go on, take a moment to declare your feelings for Aragon in front of the entire Barcast audience." Uh, uh, uh. Hey, babe. again again Mr. Numbers is adorable. Like none of this bravado and like badass. I'll fuck you up, cunt shit. No. No, Mr. Numbers is, is grade A adorable. That's all there is to it. I'm in a really good mood this morning, apparently. That's so unusual. You, you people are just making me incredibly cheerful for some reason. Because I you're... know it surprises me too. We're making you feel better about yourself in comparison. I that think it's probably be because of the name that's treated. Oh, still? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Here, honey, honey. I think I had him on server mute. I think that was my doing. Uh, I turned him off of server mute now. Just fucking burned. I'm sorry. Enigma, use words. <clears throat> say so. You, you get one free pass. Say anything you want. Nothing. Okay. Well, we tried. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Um. <laughs> Crystal then says a mate murder matrimony between Aragon, King of Beggars, and Ulysses. So the thing is, she wrote this immediately after I'd been gushing about Ulysses from uh, Fallout <laughs> New Vegas' Lonesome Road. And how he has... Okay. He could have been one of the best characters ever put into a fictional work if it was just the delivery, if it was just the voice acting. He could have been one of the best characters ever written if it was just the writing. But Ulysses from Lonesome Road's voice acting multiplied by his writing is one of the most transcendental experiences I've ever had in a video game. Um, mm. And honestly, if you have no knowledge of like any of that, I would recommend just looking up um, the audio tapes he leaves lying around. You can just find a YouTube video that is just the cut-together audio logs he's left. And just indulge in that. And, uh, oh, oh. and but when but when you encounter him, you turned out he turns out to be like a discount dollar store predator. No, 
No. Okay. So he's really, it's really misunderstood because a lot of what New Vegas is, is it is a large treatise on the idea of Hegelian dialectics. And the principle of the game is that the NCR is a thesis and it is a bad thesis. It is a bad argument and it is wrong. And that the Legion is an antithesis, a counterthesis, and it is also terrible, but it is terrible in ways that counts as the NCR's terrible. And so the theme of the game is that there should be synthesis, which is that they clash together, the NC, the, and whoever wins what results is synthesis. A better idea emerges from that conflict. And... Um, the strip is also a, a, a different form. It is a different thesis. It is smaller government is what is believed to be good, but not necessarily better than the synthesis because what you find from its ending is that it is a happy ending for a lot of people, but not nearly the happy ending they wanted or expected it to be. R.K. Gannon in particular is super disappointed. And what Ulysses is, is that he is the game's meta argument for instead of having synthesis from Hegelian dialectics, instead of having the two arguments conflict, what if you just shut the argument down what if you are so offended by the argument that you just wiped it out you don't listen to it you don't conflict with it you just stop it from you just eradicate it and that is what ulysses represents the idea of wiping out the thesis and when you wipe out the thesis he believes that the seas of the legion will collapse in on itself because there's no more counter thesis there's no more antithesis and it only survives as a counter argument and not an argument in itself so it would either have to become a thesis uh, with no enemy to conflict with no more and it would have to consolidate and become something worth respecting or it would prove to be a failure of an idea and collapsing on itself too and what the argument with ulysses has to prove is that there is hope in change there is hope in synthesis that whilst the thesis is bad that synthesis is still possible to make it something worth following and respecting um so a lot of people don't see that subtext, that undercurrent argument, and they just see what the superficial details are, what the surface details are, and that it's argued with, what I want to do is nuke everyone. And because if you just see it as, this guy is just an idiot who just wants to nuke NCR because he hates them, of course it all seems ridiculous. But in the idea of what the meta-narrative is, it's actually a really clever, interesting discussion on dialectics on arguments on the nature of politics itself where war is just a continuation of politics by other means um so basically what i'm trying to say here is marry aragon fuck ulysses and kill king of beggars because now that i've said that he's going to be coming for me shit fuck. <laughs> oh, and, and how does that. the robot how and how does the robot fisto fit in that uh, uh philosophy assume position i really I, I just yeah. want to hang out at the Ultra Lux and have some dinner. Like, love, motherfuckers. I will eat all of you. Anyway, next question. Take a moment to make some tea. We'll wait. No, we will not. Oh, next question. Tea? Next question. Uh, next question. Okay, so now that you have a good brew to keep you cool, let me ask about writing help. So yeah, why so are you... Is... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, no, you, you finish that. You finish that. Why are you so often there? Do you hope to make it a better place, or do you just need a cathartic outlet? So it's a little bit of both. So the thing is that there is a general film fiction site Discord, and the general film fiction site Discord specifically has a channel called Writing Help, which I often babysit, and I'm kind of a demonized figure there because I yell at people a lot. I'm a very angry, vitriolic person in there, largely because the people that go in there are idiots with no self-awareness. And the people who are nice and respectful or just new or bad but are aware they're bad and are trying to learn, I'm very nice and patient and good for. Unfortunately, they are few and far between. So what people specifically see when they see me in there is this very angry, hateful, yelly figure, this Gordon Ramsay figure. 
Um, and it is, yeah, so I'm, I'm basically in there because it is a very good outlet because I have sustained a lot of blows to the head over the year. And because of that, I'm actually on maximum adrenaline all the time. I have a thing where I am just permanently in fight or flight response. So sometimes it is just very, very good for me to have a designated punching bag social outlet. Um, and other, other, and otherwise it helps. And because of that, because of what I was saying before, how I am also the designated yelly person, it stops that place from when I turn my back from too long, becoming shit post central as uh, one of the users described it very recently with pride. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm basically there to keep the peace by being a very angry person. Sounds like and sometimes doing, helping. You're doing God's work, man. Have have you been taking like filibuster lessons from Aragon? Because because Jesus. It's okay. Next question. Because wow. I like the next question. <laughs> what an actual. I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. That's yeah, actually right? that's actually kind of both. That's hilarious. But I like the next question, so it'll all be okay. How often does it make you for wish reason. for death? I I I pardon? How, what? Sorry. Hanging out and writing help on the Fimfic Discord. How often does it make you wish for death? Uh, that depends. My death, very little. Other people's death, very often. <laughs> yes, excellent. Good point. Has being there ever made you, even if only for a moment, happy? Yes. Yes, it has. Because there are very few people that do genuinely improve and do very good work coming out of it or are very happy with how something's gone, and that's always, always makes it worth it. Aw. Adorable. All right. Uh, what advice do you have for the people that frequent that channel? I'm sorry. I'm just being very amused that Pencil finds me showing basic human decency at points adorable. Um, it is. I know. It's so out of character for me. I know. Um, so what was the question again? What advice do you have for people who frequent that channel? Uh, don't. Don't. Get what you need and get out. <laughs> just don't get good that's all that's his advice get good honestly if you go in there if you have a specific question a specific way to go about having it answered appreciate that if it's not the, the advice that you get is the advice you probably need not the advice you wanted um and yeah no honestly that's that's it a lot of people go in there because they they they, they want a specific question answered but the problem with their question is the underlying thought process that led them to it. And they don't appreciate having that analyzed, but it can be super necessary to not making larger mistakes. So you've got to be open to that. True. Uh, if you could change one thing about the writing help channel, what would it be? This is a really easy one that I've thought about a lot, which is simply that there needs to be a minimum threshold of quality before you're allowed to give advice because it is very much the case, and one of the reasons I have to babysit there so frequently, that there are a lot of inexperienced people in there who are trying to give advice to validate themselves as a writer instead of actually being a good writer and knowing what they're saying. And they Holy believe that idling in, a, idling in a writing help channel, giving advice on writing, legitimizes them. And no, it doesn't. It makes giving the actual good advice harder to do by talking around you. And also you are wrong and you are interfering with the process. And I hate you so much. Like actually go and be good at the thing you are trying to be give advice for. You know, you suck. You constantly talk about how much you suck. Why are you trying to tell people how to do it better? It is the blind leading the dumb. And I hate you so much. 
That is a lot of people. There's way too many people in there. No, you bring up a really fucking great point because one of the most important things that like writers need to know is to know your audience. And that's probably something that's not often analyzed very much as someone who is in fan fiction and most of the time you're writing for bronies. And that can be a really narrow field unless you're writing for yourself, which in my opinion is more nobler than writing for fucking bronies. But that said, if part of knowing your audience is also if you're getting advice, knowing your speaker, you wouldn't go to a fucking like TED talk of someone that we don't know anyway. We don't have time for this. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but no, I, 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 yeah. Crystal Wishes then says, thank you very much for talking with us. I love you, King Princess Num Nums. Jesus. Yeah, that's a reference to uh, my name in my, my server, uh, because I've, I've called it the domain, because of course I have. And so my, my official rank is Princess Numbers. Uh, and because it is Crystal Wishes, he then uh, Sasharinified it even f further. So my nickname in there tends to be either Princess or Num Nums. All right, now we have a question from Dash Loon. If you could, would you? If I could, would I? Uh, my lawyer has advised me against commenting on this until the hearing. So kill right. yourself. Got it. <laughs> question from Blade. What if I want Donkey Kong nipples? My lawyer has advised me not to comment <laughs> on this until the hearing. Question from Chat Penguin Lips. Why the hell are you so popular? It's been like 30 minutes since this thread was up, and it's already like question 50. I don't know. I'm standing on a hill of nothing, terrified to look down. All right. Uh, Arcanist now asks, do you know Waifu? Do I know Waifu? Yes, that is a question. Uh, 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 no, I am I'm, I'm single and available. Fucking file. Arch, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, <laughs> Why do you do this to me? God damn. All right. Um, now it's time. It's time for questions with Lylon, but not really because that's not a question. It, it, all she really leaves is two emojis that basically says, Good shit! Mm -hmm, good shit! That's some good shit right there! Mm -hmm, if I do say so myself, I'd say so! Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about right there! Right there! Mm -hmm. Good shit! Okay, we're done. Alright, LB-47 then asks, Why are you such a butt, Celestia Trollface? If you were less stupid more often, I could be happier more often. This would work out better for both of us, please. Please, I implore you, please. Let me be happy. No. RB uh, Dash then asks, which of your stories are you most proud of? You already did that! Moving yeah, on to Jack Ripper, who are your favorite real-life authors? Uh, Charles Stross and Terry Pratchett. All right, now Brony now asks, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. This this has been a pleasant, delightful experience. I think astonishing everyone involved. Yeah, I agree. Hell yeah. Trickster Forrester now asks, Woof. Oh, I... <laughs> oh, so this is unrelated to the question, but it has made me think of it. Uh, I have a friend that has a little brother who is uh, a furry and very um, special. 
so they've recently made their Facebook profile picture a cartoon dog presenting itself with visible genitalia. And that's their Facebook yeah. profile because they are so special and insular in their community, they don't realize it's not a thing you, you do. So I just heard Wolf there and I just had that very detailed Facebook profile picture sear into my retinas. And I know people like that. Yeah. So next question, pl please, please. Please? Eagle asks, what is a game sphere? Oh. Uh, a game sphere? A Drake and Josh meme. I. It's fucking spherical. And don't you deny it. Spherical! But, but wait. Move, move on. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like memes like that where the joke isn't, like, inherently funny. The joke is that you get something because it's, like, humor is about escalation. And there is no cleverness to simply saying a thing and going, I get that, because that's, it's lazy and bad, and I don't like it. So kill yourself. No, the joke is running over Oprah. You see, I assumed uh, it was from South Park. Uh, no, it is a Drake and Josh meme. I'm pretty but, sure. But the Okami yes. games? Yeah, yeah, South Park but... also had their own spherical gaming machine, but it wasn't that. It wasn't. Well, Meme-age material. Alright. We'll, we'll stop trying to make Gamesphere work and move on to the next question. Exactly. <clears throat> Sunbro for Life then says, what's your favorite video game? Uh, so this is, um, this is interesting because I was just asked, uh, I, I thought it was an interesting thought exercise, what five video games have you played that would most describe you as a person? And I have that list open in front of me. Um, uh, so I would say uh, Tropico. Uh, which is a Banana Republic comedic granular um, dictator simulator. Um, we Know the Devil, which is amazing, and Scarlet Weather has a full blog on it because I made her play it, uh, which is um, social horror, which is an amazing genre I'd never experienced before. New Vegas, obviously, by how much I ranted about it. Um, the Movies, which is an old Linehead Studios game about a granular, highly detailed micromanagement film studio simulator with inbuilt um, script building resources. Uh, and the Stanley Parable. Uh, because the Stanley Parable. Oh, the fucking Stanley Parable is fucking amazing! Ah! Actually, okay, so this is, this, is, this is a really fun... Sorry, this is going to go a little bit, but it's worth it. Um, so basically, one time I wrote a script. This is how I got blacklisted from the Australian film industry. Uh, one time I wrote a script... And it was good enough that a producer picked it up and really liked it. And then they took it and they said, you know what? This would be really good if it was narrated by the Stanley Parable guy. Do you mind if we do that? I said, yes, yes, please. Yes. Thank yes. Did you, did you visibly so, come in your pants? Uh, no. I managed. I was wearing thick jeans. So ah, got it. Got it. Um, so basically we send it to him and he says, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. This is good. I like it. Oh, uh, so anyway, so we get a director, and the director is an actor coming out of acting, goes to directing, and we and the producers picked it up because he's got um a lot of connections and industry experience, so he seems like a good fit. And so the producer sits him down with the script, and they look it over, and they go, okay, so there's two problems. One, this needs to be a um a really short for what slots we need it for. So it's currently 17 pages. Uh, we need it to be 11, and also don't cut any content. What? I feel you. I feel yeah, you. So, so make the exact same story. Don't lose anything. The humor is fantastic. Mm. Cut six pages. I make it about you. half as long. That's so, like personal it, level. That, that isn't how comedy works. 
Tower so no, that's works. the thing. That's what that's why I was retained for that month because I made it work over that month. Um, I, I so over a month I go granular edit, granular edit. I keep working hard on it, and after a month I managed to do it. I have managed to make it make it work. It is one of the tightest, tightest strips I've ever written. And the whole time the the producer is like, "This is great," and the director is just like, "I don't get it." I'm like, and the producer is just like, "Okay, but this is what the humor is, and you've just got to make it work." F f no. Anyway, so we show up on set and I get handed the script and it is 14 pages long. I went, oh, is this an old Wait, and I start flicking through it and it's full of like spelling errors and formatting errors I would never make. And I read through it and what the director has done is edit it and write his own version of it that he actually likes and not told the producer because he figured that the producer wouldn't let it fly. But if he didn't tell the producer, but trained the actors in it, that by the time we got to the film day, if he sh we showed up on set and saw that there would be absolutely nothing we could do about it. And we'd have to go along with his version that he liked because he hadn't been directing for long uh, and didn't realize this is a problem. So anyway, I, I tell him that you can't do that. And the producer tells him that you can't do that. And he goes, well, if without the script, I mean, like, this is all, all we've got trained in. So, I mean, we can't, we can't go ahead and do this and you, you lose the production if we don't film this. So I guess you're trapped. And I said, no, mate, you don't understand what you've done is so illegal that this, this can never be released. I, I like, this is so illegal. You can't shoot this. You've, you can't. And so he's just like, well, we're here. We've got it set up. No, here is my guild credentials. You can't do this. Um, so anyway, he had a lot more reputation and history in the industry and spread the reputa uh, reputation that I am um, uh, not able to be worked with and I'm a very unhelpful person. And so I've never been, I didn't get a job since and the whole place was so toxic. I've just decided, fuck it. Uh, one, one, another fun fact about the Australian film industry, the, uh, the American producers that come here to make things like, um, uh, Aquaman movie and Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, they refer to the Australian laborers as white Mexicans, which is the most <laughs> profoundly layered really? race I've ever experienced. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Can I just well, like no, give you a hug? I want to give you the biggest there. hug. <laughs> That's not even my worst story about working in this industry. That's that's the re uh, so so that's that's why I say I'm doing an art degree, even though I've got like industry experience. Because like I mean like even um, um, first half of this year, I wrote um I wrote a play that sold out every night it ran, and that was great. That was great because I was working with theater actors rather than cinema people, and they had souls. They had actual human compassion and decency. Um, that was so rare for me. So I'm actually um, retraining and respecting into uh, journalism because I would honestly rather be shot at as a war correspondent than continue to work in this industry. I work in so journalism. we're talking about our favorite yeah. video game. Let's move to the next question. Oh. <laughs> What's Sorry. your favorite boss fight? What's my favorite boss fight? Uh, I just played Doom, so all of Doom. <laughs> Number three. Have you accepted Skeletor, the master of the universe, into your heart? No. Okay, moving on. You are an itty bitty equine city. What business do you start? I'm I'm sorry. I'm an itty bitty equine city. Is is that what you said? You're oh, yeah. in. You're in. Those the words that there. came out of your mouth. You are you... in, as in you are at that place. Okay. 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 Uh, what business do I start? So, what's something that horses value? Um. Sugar cubes, grass, sunshine. 
They love playing with Same. barrels and balls. You know what? I would. They have a really hard time walking backwards. I would honestly sell a pickup service, except instead of like you know like the shitty bartending douche bro pickup service, I literally come to where you are, pick you up, and help you move through backwards through narrow corridors. I, I like imagine it. I'd get a lot. Of why would they do that when they could just turn around? But they can't. It's a narrow corridor. Yeah, what you if they're in an alley? So okay, no, you can okay, never, you so can't turn around in an alley enigma. <laughs> This is a true, actual thing that there are tons of suicidal goats and cows and donkeys in the um, in the Middle East because they had like uh, minarets, they had uh, staircases up to viewing towers that um, the animals would walk into, but then have no way to walk backwards downstairs. So they just walk to the top and then jump off and throw themselves <coughs> off because once they got in there, there was no way to get them around. They wouldn't walk backwards, and they could. It was too narrow to get them to turn. So they just climb the entire tower and then just jump off backwards. Huh. Jesus Christ. Horses can walk backwards. Oh, horses can walk backwards. An option. I, I, think it's, I think part of it was on twisting staircase as well. Hmm. That makes sense. So, I don't know. I don't know. That's one, of, that's one of the most entertaining things I've read. Uh, next question. Number five. I need to know for a friend, how do you properly use a Stargate to get back to Earth, our version of it anyway? I have no clue oh, where yeah. we are. This is really easy. First, what you do is you um, identify the uh, titanium carbide uh, chromulator. Uh, you attach that to the chronoflux uh, capacitor. Uh, you hook the dilerium crystal up to the antimatter stream, and then you get good scrub. Then you get good scrub. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I just walked in on Professor Plum. Who are you? <laughs> and then you get OxyClean. Mr. Numbers, Professor Plum. They must, they must work in the same field. Anyway... <laughs> Number six, do you even praise, bro? Nah, bro. Okay. Moving on to Scarlet Weather, who asks, Mr. Numbers! The world needs more of your opinions on genre fiction versus literary fiction. Which one is harder to attempt? So this is a thing that, this is a thing that she said explicitly to get me on an angry rant. Um, yep. <clears throat> uh, so the thing is, literary fiction is dumb. It's dumb. Uh, the, th the thing that I find most identifies and separates literary fiction from other fiction is that when people read it, they go, I don't get this, why am I too stupid? And not, I don't get this, why is that the problem with the story? And that's the biggest problem with literary fiction is it shrouds itself in that, um... I'm going to say Mensa mindset for a shorthand, but that essentially that it has to be complex and it has to be inscrutable and it has to be writing with a capital W, which is already a thing that I've explicitly said I fucking hate. Uh, because what you'll find is a lot of the very best, famous, good writers that were writers were like Vonnegut, and they said be simple and tell a good story and that everything else comes from that. And a lot of literary fiction just doesn't do that. And if you're interested in why I find that so revolting, uh, I recommend looking up something called the Reader's Manifesto, published in The Atlantic in 2001, which breaks down very critically acclaimed literary fiction at the time, which is a lot like what modern literary fiction still is, and explains why it is bad, tedious writing, and that because it is bad, tedious writing, people project more onto it than's really there, and that makes it steam clever. Whereas genre fiction, you're restrained to having to tell a good story, which people undervalue because, I mean, anyone can tell a good story, right? All you have to do is tell a good story. I mean, it's just genre writing. 
And the problem is that, I mean, that's where, that's how you get an audience and get most people to pay attention to your ideas. It's all well and good if you're a very, very clever, if only a hundred people are ever going to read you because you were so inscrutable and afraid of being interpreted clearly. Um, so I would say that it's, um, yeah, well, that, that's basically what I'd say. That is my angry rant on the subject. Enlightening. Moving on to Alex underscore, who, first of all, made a Mr. Numbers emoji for you. Oh, cool. It's super so, cute. I'll post, I'll post a picture of it in a moment. Cheers. But number one, what is your funniest anecdote? Oh, let me, let me, let me think about the one I'm willing to tell. Okay. So, okay. How about, how about that time uh, I, I got that principal to tell me to just go home? Um, so grade 12, it was exam week and someone had pulled a lockdown drill that threatened a school bombing uh, because they just didn't want to do their fucking exams. And um, the night before, I'd, 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 I'd missed a medication dose because I'd slept about 40 hours because narcolepsy plus high school senior stress equals bad things. And so I thought, I need to take a little bit more to make up for this. That's fine, right? I'll be a little bit fucked, but I need to keep this regime. That's should be fine, right? So the thing about this, this, stuff, this is because of how fucked up I was in high school, this stuff was um, strong strong uh my pupils were so blown out at this point i looked like a disney character you couldn't actually tell what <laughs> color my eyes were from how blown out my eyes were i looked like an anime character and so i'm going to school which and the thing about this is this is anti-anxiety medication so what that means is when you take a lot of it it makes you extremely anxious extremely like extreme heights of paranoia so I go to school and I hear this is a bombing drill and intellectually I know this is just a drill from some shithead trying to get out of an exam. But unfortunately, my mind is whirring along. Um, so I've, I figure out that uh, the lockdown drill is dangerously unsafe because of how the school runs it. And so I just go to the principal and uh, as we all go onto the school oval underneath this big um, overhead shelter thing and i just go i've got i've got to go home man i can't take this and the principal's just like this is not how lockdowns work you miss the numbers you sit sit down stop being a pain why are you what is your face why are you twitching sit sit down sit sit down and i'm just like no you don't understand so you see i know this is probably a fake but say if i was actually trying to bomb the school using various materials like x y and z um what i would actually do is i would probably put it in the rafter of that overhead hanger thing knowing that the lockdown drill always goes out to this field it's really hard to search the lockdown always gets called in first they don't search it so that if say you were trying to bomb the school and kill as many people as possible i would make a bomb using this components using this method methodology i'd um and i would put it up there i'd call the lockdown wait for everyone to be in this one location and then it would essentially act as a giant shotgun and kill everyone that's exactly and then what you I were would arrested do. and then the principal just stared at me and stared at me at this twitching tweet <laughs> and he just went mr numbers go home complete with voice crack it, uh, it, it, it helps to remember that my house was within eyeshot of the school. So, yeah, it's fine. I walked. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think I've ended up on more watch lists than usual um, as a result of that incident. But yeah, that's probably one of my funnier anecdotes. Right. Number two, what Barney character would you fuck? Kill yourself. Yeah, <laughs> Also, that's a hell of a callback. That was like a year ago, Cass, when Pencil said, don't ask that. Yeah. Number three. Do you come what? from a land down under where women glow and men plunder? Oh, fuck. I think I just heard thunder. Oh, that's wonderful. God damn it. That's very, wonderful. Very, very frightening. I will say, out oh. on the patio, I sit and the humidity I breathe. Uh, I watch lightning crack over cane fields. And yeah, so this is Australia. Um, seeing as it's Friday the 13th, what are some examples of bad luck that we've all experienced today? And let's not go to the easy answer, which is this podcast. <laughs> Ha! Saturday the 14th for me, bitches. I'm bad luck on you and not the inverse. Australian uh, time travel. Friday the 13th is one of my favorite days ever, and it's in October. I'm so excited. You you don't understand. I got married on a Friday the 13th. Like, yeah. I graduated on a Friday the 13th. I have done everything on Friday the 13th. I this, love this explains day. a lot, actually. Come at me. <laughs> That's cool. That's I've cool. never watched Friday the 13th. It's a good movie. It's a good classic horror. It's a good, well, it's, it's a good it's, classic horror. Which is just amazing. There's, there's a difference. Hmm. All right. Moving on to questions from Shakespeare, please. Question number one. This eight. fucker. This fucker. I challenged him to a rarity duel and he doesn't show up. Ooh. I am still miffed and irked at him. Let's Ooh. talk about rarity for a second, actually. Mr. <laughs> numbers. Why? Yes. Why? Why did I bury you with words? Yes. Why did your contest so offend me I decided to crush it to prove its weaknesses? Why did I exploit the very foundations of the insult you laid at my feet? Is this the question you are asking me, Flutter Priest? Yes. Bury beneath warity words. I will dig your grave with a word compressor and fill you in it. Um, so the thing is, the, 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 this, this contest is titled Rarity is Trash. And I took umbrage at that. It's because... not titled that. It's how everyone's calling it. That's no. because they're garbage people. The, co okay. the contest is called Make Rarity Not Garbage. Because people oh, I'm sorry, because that's so oh. different in interpretation. <laughs> her as garbage. People always write her as garbage. So the invitation was to write her as not garbage, unlike what everyone does, because she's not garbage. you got to admit, it's a little bit inflammatory. It's a little bit inflammatory. No, it's really not. <laughs> I hear there's it's, some... It's, there's... it's clickbaity. I will, I will settle yeah, for that. It's definitely, it's definitely it's clickbaity. It's clickbaity as fuck. It's definitely I hear there's... I hear there's special cream for that inflammatory. Uh, yep, you put it on your asshole. You so here's, the asshole. Thing, here's the thing that really interests me about the uh, the rarity fic I wrote. This came out before the um, the Weinstein stuff happened. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this happened the week before the Weinstein stuff happened. I was writing about a completely different guy called uh, David Beagleman who pulled the exact same shit in the 70s. Um, so, yeah, that's great. That's... Hold on. 
Remember, didn't we just talk about shit memeing itself into existence? Sam, didn't you? Did you just throw up? No, I'm good. Remember, I still have AIDS, so that caught me off guard. I'm making sure you're okay and calling no, you out. No, I'm actually on a huge. I'm actually on a huge upswing. Don't worry, it's just asthma Welcome related. Welcome to the throw up podcast, where we actually throw up. Hey, it's hey, it's a bar. Everybody's got to throw up at the bar. It's the it's vomitorium. Any so, I I, I want to tell you something directly because, Jesus Christ, do I fucking admire you for what you did. <laughs> um, I, I have no problems and no qualms about saying this. You you have gotten the highest uh, honorable mention that the contest has to the point that I am working on a special prize for you. That's that's really fantastic. Thank you. Um, I, I, I haven't I think figured I, out what it is just yet, but we'll talk privately about it. You certainly and... made her not garbage, so that was wonderful. Yeah. Like... So the reason... The reason behind it is that this is something I've talked about with Mono a lot, because Mono was obviously very emotionally invested in this, which is that um, a lot of people see Rarity as a manipulative social climber and, like, and, and very superficial in that regard. And I wanted to, instead of doing a story that showed Rarity's virtues, I wanted to directly address that criticism which is that I honestly believe if you put Rarity in a situation where she had to choose between the abstract notion of justice and rightness for other people and getting everything she wanted in that regard, she would never ever choose that for herself at other people's expense. I honestly don't believe she would. I think she would burn everything about herself to the ground to protect other people. Um, and so yeah, I decided I decided to write that to show that because I think the accusations people lay at her are very misunderstanding, um, or, or or something that the show plays up as a joke that isn't really. It's like when you hand Pinky the idiot ball enough that people see Pinky as a bad character as opposed to an occasionally badly written character. When the truth is, the official writers fuck up sometimes. Yeah. No, I totally. Right. Priest, priest. What? I, I I love this tangent. I mean, like, I would settle down with this tangent and have children with it someday, but we need to get back on, like, the, the question train. Okay, oh, sorry. number 1A, did you see the movie? No, I did not. Okay, then 1B didn't, doesn't matter. Number 2, were you able to get any of that delicious Szechuan sauce from McDonald's last weekend? Not in Australia. Moving on, we have a question from a save station. Would you like to save your progress? Yes, we're saving this week. Okay, moving on. Uh, I'd like to uh, quit and exit, but I'm told there's no easy way to get back in. It's no, it's true. true. Uh, Discord just breaks on you. Mm. Uitol then asks questions. Who invented the light bulb? Some poor bastard on Thomas Edison's payroll. Who was the first motorized fly? MC Hammer on a Segway. What is your favorite conspiracy theory? What is my favorite conspiracy theory? Oh, oh, this is interesting because the question is, does it have to be a conspiracy theory that is purely a conspiracy theory or a conspiracy theory that is actually true? Either. Because the next question actually is, what is your favorite conspiracy that actually happened? Okay, MKUltra. Project MK MKUltra. Ultra. That's the one yes. he brings up, MKUltra. So you're right. Uh, MK Ultra is amazing because what people don't actually, what people think about MK Ultra is that it's mind control and it's a really dumb and psychic powers. And the problem is 
what they did was really, really clever because what the CIA does when they have stuff they really don't want to leak is that they fill that stuff with really crazy bullshit so that when people see the really crazy bullshit in amongst the true stuff, uh, it's widely discredited. Like Snowden's original leaks actually had a lot of information on UFOs. So that because they were under the, the they were under the assumption that when people see all those leaks and they have a bunch of crazy UFO conspiracy theories in it, it discredits the whole thing, uh, and that's the thing they consistently do. So what they did for MK Ultra was try to make it about like crazy mind control and psychic powers, and that's what people remember. When really what they were doing is um, throwing that stuff in there to discredit the actual really awful stuff they were doing, which was trying to experiment with truth serums, like uh, scopolamine, devil's breath powder. And that's really, really scary stuff. Like, this is a chemical that if you get a tiny bit blown on you, you lose essentially your ability to say no. You lose your free will. Uh, Yeah, they get it from a flower in South America that is actually illegal to grow. Yep. Uh, It is really really nasty stuff it can cause really nasty permanent long-term damage there are people that just put it on a little business card they blow it in your face and then suddenly they walk you back to your apartment get you to open your safe uh take all your valuables out of it and then walk it back out to them on the street and give it to them and then you wake up the next morning and you find your entire apartment has been emptied of all furniture and you're the one that helped them carry it out and you have no memory of it. You never said, like, that is a real actual thing that exists that the CIA experimented with. And they're yep. responsible for the Unabomber. MK uh, Ultra was. MK. Quick uh, hmm? suggestion. Hmm? Look, up, look up Project Sunstreak. You'll fucking like it. Love oh, it, Mr. Fucking Mr. Project Sunstreak. I swear. Fucking to God. Project <laughs> Sunstreak. Jesus. That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. We can move on. I, I'm not I'm not familiar with Sunstreak, so I'm going to actually yeah, have to. Yeah, get familiar game. with it. It's hilarious. I legit okay. wrote an article on this shit, so go look up Project Sunstreak. So after this, after this, send me um send me some links to look through because I'm, I'm very interested. Mm. All right, now we have time for questions with your waifu Aragon. I tried. Oh, fuck, I'm I sorry. I think I what this one is. I think I know. What, yeah, uh, read it. Do you consider yourself a comedy writer? Yeah. See, this one really fucks me up because. Uh, Things like I used to, I absolutely used to, and then I decided to try other things to branch out. Because okay, the thing about comedy is it's the hardest thing to do consistently well. It is the most underappreciated, disrespected form of writing. Um, to and that's a problem. Uh, so I tried to prove that by being a comedy author, my writing wasn't less good. Uh, by doing other things, uh, like uh, the other stories I've done more recently. Unfortunately, I ended up really, really liking writing more serious stuff, and I got a lot more respect for it, so I ended up doing it for a lot longer. And so the thing is, and I've, I've, I've just haven't gone back to comedy since, so I would still, I don't think of myself as a comedy author anymore, which is really frustrating to me because I still write a lot of comedic scenes. I still really like writing comedy, it's just something I've moved away from, and I feel like by doing that, I've kind of disrespected my own positions and beliefs on what comedy should be. Do you think others consider you a comedy writer? Yeah, there's still tons of people that haven't read my new stuff that still mostly think of me as the guy who wrote Domain and need to keep writing it. And to those people, I say, fine. I owe you one more <laughs> chapter. 
I have one more chapter before it becomes officially um, Chuck Finley's Quite Equestrian. Um, that's that's officially the official sequel because we talked a lot about the canon before he started writing it, and I'm a huge fan of it. So he deserves the world to play with more than I do at this point. All right. The kicker being, do you want to be seen as a comedy writer or is being called a comedy writer reductive? <sighs> I think it's a bit reductive, but I would absolutely love to still be called a comedy writer. I would still love to be called a comedy writer with acknowledgement that I do other things, but I honestly do see it as a compliment. It's just, yeah. Okay. Everything cool. I'd said previously. Yeah. Cool. Uh, tangent question, even though I'm awful. Um, is being called a clop writer reductive? I think it's typically used as a pejorative, but honestly, if you're doing it well, I mean, it's a hard, it is, the thing about Kloppers is a really hard thing to do and be respected for, but there are absolutely people who do try to make it a good, well-written genre, um, like Tor used to, um, Sleepless Brony. Um, they did some of the best stories on this site, not with the caveat for clop, just full stop. Um, unfortunately, I think enough people don't take it seriously that it's become a genre ghetto, like how most, uh, how a lot of, uh, original fiction writers see science fiction or fantasy. Totally fair. Latrius like you'll actually, you'll, you'll actually see a lot of, um, fantasy authors that want it to be taken seriously, even though they write fantasy is for being philosophy fiction authors. Uh, and they're all wankers. Every single one of them. They're fucking wankers. Yay! Okay, sorry. You were saying. Latrius now has a question. Would you rather have a bat point in your house or have a changeling constantly hiding his random objects in said house? Oh, the E one, easily, because then I know where to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Undomed Twine. Tenway? Undomed Tenway has a question now. I think it's time this part... I think it's by the time this podcast starts, the Make Rare Not Contest results should have been released. Well, they aren't! <laughs> Either way, do you have any comments on whatever they did with your behemoth of an entry? How do you fight with Shakespeare? Please go. We covered that. Um, I think we've covered a lot. I think we've covered a lot. Uh, also, is there a particular reason why you only write clop for commissions, or has nobody asked you to write something else for a commission? Uh, nobody's asked me to write anything else for commission. I'd certainly take them up on it. I would certainly take them up on it, but... Um... Clop is where the money is, for the most part. Yes, it is. It is true. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's why I don't take commissions. Sex sells. Well, I, I, I honestly pride myself on doing very high-quality um, Clop. Uh, Thank you. My alt, which is, like, I, I try to do it um, very, very legitimately and treat it as a very legitimate story, which is why I've actually um, got a backlog I need to fill out because uh, I, I, I personally detest people who are half-assed. I personally detest people that make it the reason it's a genre ghetto because it's just, it's already such a weird thing to be attempting especially from the view of the general public. Don't necessarily give people ammo to see it as trash. Like, at least if, if you're approaching something that you know is going to be disrespected, don't then use that as an excuse to half-ass it. Hey, um, you helped me move out. Let's bone. Well, I mean, I've written that. Well, ha! yeah. And I, I also think there's a difference between full-on clop and sexual fiction. But, um... 
What is the name of your alt, for the record, Mr. Numbers? Uh, Letterhead, which I'm extremely proud of. Letterhead. <laughs> That's cool. a great name. Boom. Alright. Now then, next. Uh, Absurd Acts of Chemicals now has questions. Archaeologists dig up an ancient Viking ship and put it in a museum. Over time, it begins to deteriorate, so they painstakingly recreate and replace each plank of wood, each sail, so every part of the ship has, been, over time, been replaced with new material that look like the original. Would you consider this to be the same boat dug up by the archaeologists? Now, this is... I, I was really excited for this one because I thought I'd be able to use it to pivot into talking about um, linguistic descriptivism, which I was really, really pumped for because what most editors and academic writers uh, uh, follow is uh, literary prescriptivism, which is stuff like following Strunk and White Style Guide and saying what language should be, and they're all fucking wankers. Like, they're the kind yes. of people that say never, ever, ever use a comma splice when every single author since before Jane Austen, but especially Jane Austen, has used comma splices because they work and they're effective and fuck you for telling me to use a semicolon. I will give you a yes. semicolon with extended prolapsing if you keep throwing this shit at me. Yes, but, uh, that is how unfortunately, you do it. You. Unfortunately, I thought about this more and really what it comes down to is way more simple than that, which is just... The problem is the def define the word same. Is uh, a hot dog a sandwich? No, <laughs> priest, fuck off. We're not doing this. We don't have time. <laughs> so in German, in, in German, um, in, in German, there are two types of, of same. They actually have two types. There is qualitative same, which is, and there is numerical same. And qualitative same is this is identical in every way. And numerative same is this is the thing that it is. And the problem is that in English and most languages and how we conceptualize it, the same the word has ambiguity for ambiguity, sorry, um, for both meanings. And the paradox comes from this ship is now qualitatively the same, but not numerically the same. So under the two different definitions of the same, um, the, look, the, the thing is there is ambiguity in the word and in that ambiguity there is ex um, legitimate reasons to say it is both the same and not the same. But it's the problem with the word rather than the problem with the idea. Nailed it. Moving on to Icy Shake. How did you decide on your avatar? Uh, I actually had it drawn by Katie Cook. What would you do if you lived on the moon? Die. Yay! What do you think the relative advantages and disadvantages of Demisne and the Quiet Equestrian are? Domain. Domain. Um, oh, sorry. Fucking. This is what I get for not researching the guest. Sorry. Demesne. Demesne. Um. <laughs> there, get, make that your fucking ringtone. <laughs> Demesne. That's it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um. So Domain was supposed to be a silly comedy that had really dark, serious undercurrents that occasionally fucked with you because you were so caught off guard by how silly and frivolous stupid stuff like Twilight running a money train through town on a track made of the gold bars inside of it uh, and getting so distracted by it that she realized she was supposed to be doing this subtly and sneakily and she's now driving a train on golden rails through the main square. All of that. Um... Yeah, it's it, and then suddenly it's just like, oh, by the way, we're trying to avoid a civil war. This is a problem. Um, Chuck saw the building blocks with that, and he saw the sinister dark undercurrent, and what he said was, 
what if I stripped all the comedy from it and I just played up just how severe the issues you're confronting are and I just made this a hard crime noir that actually was a lot more coherently planned? Because the thing about Domain is so much of what I learned about being a good long-form author, I learned by fucking up Domain. Uh, a lot of the lessons I learned were from trial and error and Domain is definitely as much error as it is trial. So whilst I'm still very proud of having written it and a lot of the humor from it and a lot of the jokes, uh, it's no longer a thing I want to write because it's no longer reflecting the author I want to be. Whereas um, Chuck, uh, The Quiet Equestrian, the follow-up, is a very cognizant, lucid take on what I believe it could be. Um, so it loses a lot from the, the tone, but it's a very intentional, clever twist. And so, yeah, that's the, the, that's the difference. I think that's the comparative merits. Have you had, have you made any, oh, Jesus Christ, have you made any gambling decisions you regret? And if not, any more general bets or dares? What were they like? Fuck, what's the dumbest thing I did on a bet? What's the dumbest thing I did on a dare? You're an Australian. I'm going to guess it involves drinking and violence. No, I don't drink. And it wasn't, I'm not, okay, I can be a very um, violent person. That's mostly because people keep trying to mug me. Um... <laughs> God, that's okay. One of my favorite, one of my favorite life experiences. I'm at the bottom of my street, and a guy tries to come at me with a steel baseball bat, uh, and I'm so caught off guard. Like as he swings it at me, I step into him, I twist it, I flip him over my shoulder. I have the bat, and then he's staring up at me. I'm staring down at him. He's staring up at me, and I just walk home with the bat. What <laughs> <laughs> fucking job? Okay, I was right that it did involve violence, at least. So that's uh, so that's probably the the dumbest thing involving violence. Um, um, most of my muggings haven't ended that well, but that's a really cheerful memory. Uh, in terms of, um, I've 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 had very loud sex at the top of a tree in a public park under the pretense <laughs> that nobody ever looks up. Uh, oh, yeah. Nobody <laughs> ever looked up. Um, that's probably that's probably that, I, I'd say that fills the criteria for the question for the dumbest sort of thing I would do on a bet because I haven't that's really done anything. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I haven't really done anything on a bet, but you don't really need to dare me into doing really stupid things. That's just my natural state of mind. <laughs> okay. All right, here we your go. Dr your, your drunken do on a dare is my normal. Yeah. Saucy Berry now asks to all, what drink best describes you? Uh, rapid fire pencil. That didn't come through. Oh. Red wine. Red wine. Red wine. Okay. Red wine. Enigma. Uh, what was that? That didn't come through. <laughs> what drink do you, motherfucker? What what drink do I give a motherfucker? What Flam. drink are you? We don't have time for this. Fuck off. Gin, no. Gin. Fuck, fuck Enigma. No. Flam. Go. Gin, gin and tonic. I'm a scotch. Numbers. I made eggnog. Ravage. Oh, that great. Vodka. Ooh, Milk. True. Uh, mojitos. Milk is white Russian. Nice. Okay, we have good taste here, except Enigma, who's probably a Dr. Pepper. So. <laughs> actually, yeah. <laughs> oh, I am. Oh. Yeah. No, he's not even Dr. Pepper. He's fucking Mr. Pib. He doesn't even deserve the degree. He doesn't deserve the degree. <laughs> yeah, because if we say Dr. Pepper, we're probably hurting Skirt's feelings. You're Mr. Pib. <laughs> Next question. 
All right, Mobile Sam now asks, how do you feel about potatoes? Uh, I boil them, I mash them, and I stick them in stews. Oh, fuck, I made the best garlic mashed potatoes the other night. Oh, don't, don't talk dirty to me. I can't handle it right now. Okay. Uh, there, there's a whole bunch of questions from Brian, so we're going to go through the one question by Tony first. Best Tropical game? Uh, oh, uh, sentimentally three, mechanically four. Okay. We're going to try and get through these questions by Brian, but we only have five more minutes. So, uh, what is your favorite, what's your favorite song from the show and song from the fandom? Uh, super speedy, um, super speedy cider squeezy 6,000 and, um, (laughs) one of the, um, pinky pie mixes. Did you hear the, uh, screamed version of super speedy? (laughs) (laughs) I did not. Okay, we'll share with you after this. Okay, uh, who is your favorite non-pony? Who's my favorite non-pony? Yes. Um, 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 uh, Sp- Spike? Fuck oh. off. We're done Season here. one Spike. No! Season one Spike. No! No! no. <laughs> Alright, no. What's your opinion on Changelings? Uh, fuck them. Okay. Uh, as in, like, actually fuck them? Well, that's what they I want. Yes. Oh, what is your opinion on Spike? Um, I think he's bad. Okay, so the thing is, there's a switch in the show where Twilight, if Twilight is holding the idiot ball, Spike is amazing, and if Spike is holding the idiot ball, Twilight is amazing, and it's just it's always one of the two. So Spike is really great when he's not forced to hold the idiot ball. When he gets to be the sarcastic voice of reason. All right. Uh, okay, what is your I... opinion of the barcast? Uh, fuck all you fuckers. Aww. You're so sweet. We cut you off, Rab. What? Um, the only line Spike has ever said that I've actually liked was from season one. It was from Winter Wrap-Up, and they were trying to give a name to the birdhouse, and he calls it an outhouse. I lost my shit at that. That was probably the only good line he ever had. What is your opinion of ponies and full plate armor? Um... I mean, barding. Go go with barding. Barding is the historical thing, and it looks completely baller. It's like chainmail quilts. Go for it. I All right. don't know. To, to me, they look like they look like horses that are a member of the clan if they're white. What the fuck is wrong with you, Enigma? Oh my god! What is with all the racist oh, shit from you recently? You are the most racist thing right now, and you're brown. So how the fuck does that work? Like a few weeks ago, you said the actual N word. By accident, okay. it slipped. Next question. <laughs> Last but not like least. History from Enigma. Finally, would you recommend watching MLP to those of us who don't? Um, I haven't really watched it since season four, so I'm not in a position to say. Fair. All right, and then to conclude the epic saga of a save station this week, uh, good thing we saved. Now we can play with the Reap Spiders for forever. Great. Okay. And that's it. Um, that is all the questions. We did it. I had to, oh. like, crack the whip a couple times, but you guys managed it. I'm, I'm impressed. Oh, I, so. I got to ramble as much as I wanted. That was, that was good. People yeah, no, we try to make sure our guest gets to say everything they want. We're not that um, awful. So I, 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 my, my, my challenge to myself here was to be like Aragon, but lucid. Uh, and I think I managed that. You I, did. I'm proud of you for that. I didn't cry. 
So, that said, I think we have reached our time for this week. Numbers, thank you so much for joining us. It was really a pleasure. Oh, God, then I failed at my um, other mission, then. You were charming, yeah. delightful, adorable, sweet, and very informative. Now you're just salting the wound. I know. It's great <laughs> to get advice from someone who's actually, you know, good at writing. Like, we happens. have pencil, but... Oh, thanks. Wait, are <laughs> we talking? So disappointed. Are we talking That's about uh, Professor Plum now? Wow. <laughs> so. Well, fuck you guys too. <laughs> Thank you everyone for watching this week's Barcast. Be sure to tune in next week when we have short skirts and explosions. God, Jeez. you really are a cabal of clusterfuck cunts, aren't you? We are. We are. <laughs> That's a great. Well, that's a great way to describe us. Can I get? Can we get that inscribed at the bottom of our Twitch banner? Yes. Yeah, we can add that right with mm. Seth saying, "This was the most pleasant podcast I've been on." <laughs> <laughs> he did say that. He did say that. Oh, poor oh. Seth. Oh, poor Seth. Anyway. Yes, uh, it'll just be after. Oh, not cool. It'll just be like a static screen. They're testimonials. Yes. And eventually we're going to do a commercial for the BarCast. <laughs> fucking BarCast commercial? But, but, but don't take our word for it. Yeah, they're a cabal of fucking cunts. And just like that, come watch the BarCast. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway. Thank you for watching this week's BarCast. Your bartenders for this evening have been a non-pencil. Fuck everything. Also, my birthday is happening, and yeah. Enigmatic Otaku. Did I send you another image of you hugging Spike for your birthday? Flaminwerfer. The AIDS has been downgraded to HIV. Ravage. Yes, we done you. Nope. Bye. And of course, our wonderful guest, Mr. Numbers. Don't know if I shipped this yet. My name is Flutter Priest. Go fuck yourselves. Hard and well. In the butt. Kiss your dads square on the lips.